0: Hello and welcome back to Pixel Sift for episode 34. My name is Gianni and after a short short break, I've dragged Mitch and Scott back into the studios. And they did it mostly... (laughs) Willingly. <laughs> oh, we had to wake up this morning. Yeah, that's all right. You're back in the studios now. <laughs>
1: hey,
2: hey.
0: Thanks for joining me, guys.
2: My name is Lee Harris, and I am one of the co-founders of Flat Earth Games. And I'm Alyssa Harris, and I'm the other co-founder of Flat
3: Earth Games.
0: Today, we have an interview with sibling duo Alyssa and Lee Harris from Flat Earth Games, where we challenge them about designing a realistic space game and building physical hardware for
4: your space
0: simulation
4: game. Yeah, we're also talking ban hammers when developers go to town on players who just do the wrong thing and cheat and just make everything bad for the rest of
1: us. (laughs) And finally, we're looking into predatory publishers when indie game developers get taken advantage of. We tackle all that and more on today's show. So let's jump in.
4: Yeah, so cheating in multiplayer is nothing new, and with virtual environments where players meet to just beat each other up and verse each other, I guess cheaters have been, you know just been the scourge of the internet for quite some time and with the new game overwatch coming out people have also started cheating fairly early so how do we stop them the They're creators blizzard um actually have taken the term ban hammer to a whole new level
0: the game only came out on the 25th of may so yep. not that long ago now maybe just a bit two over weeks two thing. weeks yep. yeah yep um and they've already banned a bunch of people for for not playing Fairly. A
1: whole bunch. Over 1,500 at this stage. (laughs) Sorry, that's as of last week as well. So who knows where it's at from now. But But I mean, when you think about it, the number of people who are actually playing Overwatch at the moment, 1,500
0: is not a huge amount. But to grab so many of the, I guess, probably the more overt cheaters so early on. They had something
4: like 7 million play the beta. So I'd say it's, I don't know. It's a drop
0: in the pond. But they're also
4: calling them out. They posted a massive list on forums of just all their usernames.
0: That's very... Uh, now, that's something kind of novel. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever seen something like that before where they basically go and name and shame. Um, and to be honest, I think that's really what they should be doing. Because Absolutely. For a new game as well, when you're starting out, a lot of people, you know, you struggle to get to you know, start a game and get good at a game. Um, and then having people ruining it for you is kind
4: of sort of upsetting and, you know, might stop you from playing it any further as it, well. It will absolutely turn you off because it just confuses you. It's like, are you not good? Are you not grasping it? Or is someone wall hacking That's right. through at you?
1: Look, and Blizzard warned... Before they it did. was launched that anybody, any cl- player who was caught cheating, and not even just cheating, but like being affiliated with cheating, even just once, that was it. Blanket ban. Like, they, you can't say you weren't warned.
4: Like, damn. It, the, the ban hammer is pretty heavy even after the ban has taken place. as a user, Gaz. How you doing? He posted, <laughs> this is my story. I'm just going to summarize here. He Gaz, mate. It. You got to yeah. sort your life out. <laughs> are. So I'm going to summarize and paraphrase here. So basically he cheated during the beta. Mm. and um, that wasn't he, he even said it wasn't really the best thing it was, didn't really enhance his experience at all but then he got banned a day after the official release right? and and so he, he got detected for using RPM tools I'm not actually sure what that means but um, yeah it was, the game just started crashing for him then he bought the game again didn't hack on it at all just wanted to play normally and uh, he enjoyed it for a day or two days and then got banned Straight away. Starting to be expensive for you guys. It is starting to be expensive, but it's about to get more expensive for him. So he bought it again. And then he waited two days before playing. And then he thought that would change and then got banned again.
1: Look, this isn't a one off either. I've read quite a few stories of people that have tried to, you know, get around it basically by doing all sorts of different stuff, starting different accounts, whatever. But they are on... Pretty the, elaborate as well. Some they're of the on the hunt for it. Like, they're on the hunt for everyone. They don't want anyone cheating Like who, to get back into the system. They are putting a lot of effort into this. One
0: of the things I saw that people were doing where they were actually going into their computer BIOS and updating some of the settings in that so that you didn't have a unique... Changing of, your address a little bit. Changing the Mac address on that. Yep. Um, changing hard drive IDs. Reformatting. Straight new, completely new... Um, key for windows instaban
1: instaban <laughs> so great yeah <laughs> i don't I know find what... it funny yeah i'm sorry and the funny
0: thing yeah. as well is now blizzard has got four times the amount of purchases out of this one yeah, person it's who's so done great and... it's like
4: the best marketing thing ever <laughs> yeah yeah hilarious Well, like short of blizzard actually coming to your house and just throwing your computer off your desk and then hitting you in the head with it I'm not sure what else they could do at this point. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. But like
1: for like it's their first new franchise in like over a decade. Um, they obviously have put a lot of effort into this and they want it to just go well and they want it to be kind of what it shows itself as, is a really kinda of, um, accessible first person shooter. Uh, so, I can understand this kind of stance, and I'm all for it. I think they've also got a very big focus
0: on making this one of the new big esports that are going to be coming out as well, which so, you can
1: see quite easily. Yeah, it, it suits fantastic. itself very
0: well for being an esports. So, you know, it makes sense that they want to try and have the best sort of community and kind of give people the best opportunities to play fairly and yeah. um, compete against people with <laughs> equal level skill because that's how you get the next um, batch of esports. Uh, stars basically or the players who are going to be playing your game and you know bringing more uh, interest to your game and going from there and you know just I don't know I don't really understand the process of like getting into a competitive game like that and cheating i have never
1: understood I'd never like apart from your old kind of like I don't know DK mode in uh, GoldenEye or like something like that a little bit of kind of GTA single player cheating or whatever but as far as competing with people online I don't understand it you know auto aim and all that stuff that you can Fancy up? What's the point, Mitch? You were even saying that, like
0: one of the other big high-profile cheaters from the last couple of years, Destiny was experiencing cheating. Yeah, so
4: basically, this was a little bit less, and they've Bungie have been a little bit less zealous in getting these guys not in the same level as watch, but like they were in the Trials of Osiris game mode, it's a pretty competitive game mode where you're required to win and with zero losses a total of nine times before you get real, like the, the proper rewards promised. And people were finding ways of backing out of games that they were losing at and without incurring the loss. And Bungie didn't like that. And they were locking them out of certain features of Destiny. And also, there was something called lag switching, mm-hmm. which people were artificially creating a bad connection so that the other team would just back out and they would get the win. I actually remember that back from, like, the Halo 2 days. Right. People used
0: to do this same thing where they would basically cause these interruptions in the in accounts and, and network connection settings to, to get people to drop the games and then you get the win by default because the other team has quit, so... That's
1: not what you dare to do, though. That's <laughs> yeah. not even playing... You don't even get to play the game. What the...
0: Look, Look I, it's not like you can take your internet points down to the local shop and buy yourself some lollies or anything like that. No, it's just like, what is it? There's no point to doing it. I feel like this is something to do with this instant gratification as well, though. I think so. Because there is a, a, real, there's a real sort of uh, incentive for people to put in a lot of hours and be good at a game because lots of things are actually gated off behind... Achievements and unlocks and all that sort of stuff. And if all you want to do is play with all those, you know, the best weapons in a game or something like that, then you probably can't if you... And then you're still playing with other people who have put that time in and they're using the more superior things. It's one of the things I'm not hugely uh, a huge fan of, but you've had a lot of experience with Battlefield, battlefield haven't you, old, uh, yeah, old Scott?
1: Yeah, Scott? A Battlefield from time to time. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't really notice cheating too much, I guess. I mean, yeah. I just figured people are probably better than me. Like, it never yeah. happened. It never happened. <laughs> Not to blow my own horn, but it never happens enough for me to go, oh, my God, this obvious, This guy's obviously cheating or whatever. Yeah. And plus, I always play on console, so I don't know. The chances of cheating is probably minimized slightly on yeah. there as well.
0: Just an extra step in the in the chain.
1: I think this step from Blizzard is awesome, and I hope a lot of other people kind of take this direction. Like, the only other... But I the best
0: like. thing as well now is because they've named and shamed them, that name is now going to be associated they've with. They've
1: posted up their battle net. Like yeah. everything. Like it's going to be. As-
0: yeah. Associated with their name. So if they use the same name across everything, which lots of people do, yeah. you now be like, oh, look out for Gunsnipe XX420 yeah, Blazer.
4: Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, just,
0: <laughs> that guy is going to be uh, not the best person my, to play. My with.
4: favorite one on here is Vin Diesel, hashtag 51242. What's up, Vin Diesel? Um, How I, I are you doing?
1: I haven't liked a uh, company dealing with cheaters more uh, like this more than say uh, sorry that was really weird worded the last time that people dealt with cheaters and impressed me this much it was uh, EverQuest and also Titanfall who put all their cheaters onto their own cheater server
0: and everyone cheated against and each other
1: just, <laughs> the only people cheating was like yeah the cheaters
0: that's really funny that's gold really good alright let's uh, jump into our next topic
4: Pixel Siv it's
0: not Pixel Siv it's Pixel sift.
4: Pixel sim. Tough.
0: This week, Mitch and I spoke to Alyssa and Lee Harris. They're the founders of Flat Earth Games, and we talked all about building the games they've been dreaming of since they were young and building a physical working spaceship console.
3: So, one of the things that always struck me is that I would alternate between playing space video games and um, actually uh, watching sci-fi movies, and there was a massive disconnect between them. So, I'd be watching things like Alien or Star Trek, and it was these big capital ships and all these decisions being made. Or it was something, even like Star Wars, I was paying more attention to how much fun it would be to have the Millennium Falcon, even if you were constantly hitting, in fact, especially if you were constantly having to hit it with wrenches to try and get it to actually, you know, move. Um, and none of that was really reflected in the games that we were playing, because it was, you know, joysticks and, and high, high speed twitch stuff. And it always seemed like um, there were, th- that what I was seeing in movies was people taking cues from submarines and tall ships and stuff like that. And yet in games, I was mostly seeing the dogfighting that was trying to mirror George Lucas's dogfights. And so there was the occasional game that sort of did larger, like semi-capship kind of combat, but none of it really grabbed me. And so it's something that sort of the, the core basics of it slowly formed. So... Uh, you know, then flash forward to many, many years later when we're making games, and I remember kind of vaguely describing this kind of feeling of what this game would have, and not
2: much else, to Lee. And this was at a point we just uh, we'd released our first game, which was. Um It was for iOS, and it did fairly well for itself here in Australia, but we kind of picked up on the fact that um, between us, we had programming and design skills, um, not much in the way of art. So we were kind of thinking, what's a game that would not be terribly art-intensive? And it was with that frame of mind that Alyssa suggested the idea of a submarine game in space because we wouldn't have to model every single stellar object and ship and that sort of thing if we didn't have a main view screen.
0: Have we reached a point now where these sort of games with the technical aspects of it, you know, um, one of the things that jumps to mind, of course, is something like EVE as well, which is, you know, has so much you know control and granularity in it. Do you think we've kind of reached a point with with maturity of games where where that we maybe didn't have that 20 years ago when we were playing the dogfighting games and, you know, all of those sort of space simulators? Yeah, I
3: mean, it's probably a combination of two things. There's the technology is a lot more accessible. The information is a lot more accessible, um, and on top of that, the hardware is a lot better. Like I most of the stuff that we do in objects is something you probably could have done with hardware 15 years ago, but you would have been cutting corners and yeah, you would have been faking a lot of the physics. Yeah, and and you probably would need to be a much better programmer than me to do it. Like you, you would need to be some sort of hyper genius to come through and actually make all of that work on all the hardware. Whereas now, um, not that. You know, I think anything we've done is like lazy or crap. It's just that it didn't really require huge amounts of optimization or inventing things that didn't previously exist.
0: Is that something you guys are really keen to do and have it as, as realistic and have as much modeled as realistically as possible, or are you still you know cutting corners where you know people aren't going to see them?
3: Uh, no, we tried to keep it as like the way I would I would describe it as a simulation. The problem is that the word simulation can mean almost anything, um, but in terms of that. There's an internal consistency to how we model all of the ship systems and all of the engineering and all of the physics that of what that goes on in the universe. And the reason for that is that we kind of figure that, like, one of the things that can happen when you game a system, like, certain players will just naturally do this. They will find holes in your engine or little sort of glitches and, and issues uh, and then exploit them, which is fine. That's what a lot of people enjoy. But... Um, we found that by simulating all the systems rather than sort of cludging them with things um, we end up with uh, games that I think are a bit more enjoyable for us to play if that makes sense Um, we're not aware of all the the weird little quirks um, with the universe we're simulating until we start playing it so I think that's probably part of the reason why like all of the games we've done have had a sort of underlying simulation layer is just that um, it means that as opposed to, you know, making a narrative game where you know all of the answers and you know everything that's going to happen and you can never really enjoy it like a player we actually get to experience some degree of those little uh, you know aha uh-huh moments where you find something really cool that happened that you you weren't expecting
2: we had yet to build any countermeasures into the game but um, the only thing the player could do is fire missiles at other ships or be fired upon Then in Adelaide in August, we had the game uh, properly playable, and we were just watching someone play, and a missile was coming at them, and they'd already got a missile spun up and ready to fire at the enemy ship. Um, But when they realized they had an incoming missile, they went, okay, so wait, can I just fire my missile at the other missile? And we just kind of looked at each other and went... I don't know. Like, <laughs> Why don't you do it and find out? Maybe. And uh, yeah, so th- this guy just fired and it homed in correctly. It damaged the missile appropriately and both of them just blew up. And we were like, wow, that's something we weren't aware of. And it's now the dominant strategy for how to defend.
4: You mentioned earlier that like you'd much rather be the person kind of hitting the ship with a hammer to make it work and like fixing it. Is that the inspiration behind your physical hardware and your physical
2: interfaces?
3: Uh, Partly. So, I mean, what had actually happened there was that um, we, like a a friend of mine had bought some Arduinos and was toying with it. And uh, his experience was in electronics, but not in coding. And so asked for my help. Uh, and so I did just enough to see that it was quite easy to do and that the interface with a computer was pretty straightforward. So with this, this little like, prototype that I had, at one point I started going, well, this would be pretty easy to like, spit data out to the Arduino. Um, and so I did that for a tiny little test. So I, I bought you know, a few... shoebox. Yeah, it was literally <laughs> a shoebox. It had a couple of lights that were plugged in, and then I just like, scrawled you know, main engine and stuff like that on them. Um, and I actually had that working. Um, but I didn't think much of it. It was just kind of like, oh, this would be kind of cool, but I don't, uh, you know, at this point in the game, was still pie in the sky. Um, but the features remained in there, so it still had this sort of half-finished code to, to spit data out to Arduinos um, until right before PAX, when we were about to go and show it off. And um, I kind of, I was thinking carefully about um, the show because we'd been sort of working on a specific type of demo Uh, and then it kind of hit me like I I just saw the shoebox at one point uh,
2: and sort of reminded me I could do that and said, Hey, I've got an idea. We were still sitting there thinking, okay, what's the best way to show this off? In Adelaide, we just had a simple scenario where there was a single pirate that uh, was flying nearby and was going to try and take you out. And you had to uh, make sure that you didn't get killed. We ended up going for pretty much exactly the same thing at PAX Australia, because when Alyssa suggested that, hey, what if we built little ship panels to to take to PAX? I sat there and thought about it for a second, and within about, like, a minute, I had gone from, holy, I, I just sort of started going... That is possibly the best idea we've ever had. Like, we wanted to do this um, Arduino stuff for quite some time. Um, Alyssa was explaining how it was going to work, and so we agreed it was a feature that we wanted. It was just that uh, we weren't going to announce it until much closer to release, because it felt like a, uh, a really nice little optional extra thing that we could, um, And because it was an optional extra and not one of the fundamental parts of the game, I, n- I naturally wanted it to be one of the last things we announced. But then the prospect of having these things physically set up on the show floor, it just instantly struck me as one of the coolest things we could possibly do.
3: Yeah, I mean, when you've got, I mean, the, what, 50 different indie games in all these booths and they're sort of lined up, there's one very, very easy way to draw people's eye, and that's a lot of blinking lights.
0: You can check out Objects in Space on their website, which is objectsgame.com. And if you're interested in the development of the game, they do something that is uh, quite close to my heart. Uh, Lee, Alyssa, and the rest of the devs make a podcast called Podcast in Space, so you can jump onto that site and check that out as well. Are you jealous of the name? It's a good name. (laughs) It's a good name. (laughs) Let's jump to our next topic.
3: Watch episodes, Let's Plays and more at youtube.com forward slash AU.
1: So our last topic for today will be covering what we're calling predatory publishers. In our world full of online and digital marketing, launching a game can be an extremely difficult feat, in steps predatory publishers and i use the term publisher very loosely basically we are seeing groups posing as legitimate online publishing and marketing companies ripping off budding game developers post green light stage and ruining the future and current business game profits they promise big things and deliver zilch and they're not going anywhere it seems it's very easy to create a website did we coin
0: predatory publishers Nah. I don't know. Probably not. It's. Pr- I mean, it's probably something that would have happened in the music industry as well. I'm calling it. It's ours. Predatory. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay. Um, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, like
1: uh, hashtag. It's because of my musical ventures. I'll call them. Uh, I get. I get daily kind of hassling from uh, people posing as promo people, promo, uh, people posing as labels, people posing as all sorts of things, and sometimes the quality of that, that they depict is mm. really high and they claim to have you know all these networks but if you do a bit of digging and you dig enough you find out that you know the people that they the, the things they claim are quite not quite what they bang up to be and you know it's really never as good as uh, they claim it and I uh, like the article that we got this from which was from uh, Lee Morrison I believe.
2: Ryan Morrison. Um, Ryan,
1: sorry um, if the ge- if the deal seems too good mm-hmm. it probably is. Ryan Morrison is a attorney based in the United States and he actually
0: specializes in video game he calls himself the video game attorney. Yep. Um, and he said, yeah, look, it, it is one of these things that if you think it's going to be too good to be true, then it probably is if there isn't, um, you know, it doesn't kind of stack up. So He said one of the problems is though is that when people are creating games and, you know, they've just started to get a bit of interest in their game and it's very exciting for them to be approached by people and, and all that, you, you kind of go, oh, wow, somebody's saying they're going to be a publisher for me yeah. and we're going to push my game out to whatever. But then if they start asking you for cash, you know, and you're going to have to pony up cash beforehand. That's sort of not really the way that it works. So it's
1: red lights that should be popping up before people ever get like conned into this stuff. But like people get scammed and conned every day. Smart people get conned and scammed every day. So like, yeah, It's an easy mistake to make. Well, there's one of these, they
0: have this term in economics called asymmetric information. And it's basically when someone who is selling a product to you has more information than you do and you have probably never bought this thing before. Um, It happens a lot in a lot of other industries and this is one where it happens as well, where say, for example, in like the wedding industry where most people probably haven't been married before Mm -hmm. so they don't know how much the cost of a a florist for a wedding is. So they can just jack up the price by X amount of money. And that's what they do in this particular situation as well because if you've been, you know, on the keyboard and mouse making your uh, your game working hard on that and concentrating on making a really good game you, you're probably not spending huge amounts of time especially in the early days um, working out the kind of the the, the money of it the it's economics ju-
1: of it it's these people jumping on uh, the people when they're coming from you know uh, when they're going through amateur status basically like it's yeah. from that bedroom to big room thing Yeah. Um, you are doing something that is basically nothing you've created it from nothing you say a game or some music or something you know that you've put your artistic worth into and then someone comes like you said, someone comes along and has interest in it. It's like, oh, well, cool. This is great. Let's, let's do this. And before you know it, you've locked into something quite serious. And they, like with, with the one we were talking about anyway, um, these people were getting signed up for not only having to pay for their promotion and whatever, like say $500 for a package with, you know... Let's promoted say, tweets or whatever. Do you know what? I've got some information of one that I actually got today as a music thing. Um, up to hmm. 1 million plays, likes, reposts, comments, 5,000 plays for $12. Oh, a bargain. That, that was starting out. So, there's other packages available and whatever. But basically, like that. that's kind of how it works. But this game developer one was taking it even further. Publisher one, sorry. is was taking it even further and locking them in in fine print to 20 of all their future profits. So, basically signing away a fifth of their company for some shoddy, shoddy marketing. Even better than that, in that particular contract, if you decided
0: to terminate the contract and said, oh, we don't want to do it anymore, they they wanted to keep 70%
4: of that 20% 20 forever. And that's... it, it's Phenomenal. also they, for they, a couple they, of Facebook
1: posts. Yeah, Sorry. it's like
4: promoted yeah. posts, and then it means like engagements are minimal, and there's no actual loyal fan base. People like it's very easy to, like, I guess generate numbers. But where's the investment? You know, that kind of, like the, the personal investment, like in your title. And it just doesn't exist with this kind of thing.
1: You're right. They're really right there with your audience stuff. Like say with um, Facebook specifically, uh, in particular, um, you can pay for likes you can pay for you know to promote your post and whatever but if Mm. you're paying for likes and extra people then your audience is now changed to not be your actual authentic audience yeah and your audience will be filled with bots and fillers and whatever so when you make your post which you know only a certain percentage percentage. of your post goes out into your audience you're actually reaching less and less of your audience even Mm. though you have a bigger one like it's re- it's really a slippery slope, and once you've fallen into it, it's kind of too late. You've ruined that digital kind of side of yourself, and you need to kind of start from scratch again. The it's big really bad. The big attack. problem with all this digital marketing stuff as well
0: is that it is yeah it's something that is pretty pretty a bit opaque at the moment. Um, no one kind of really knows exactly what they need to do to kind of tick the. Boxes right to mm. make their things ex- explode. There's no and- industry standard,
1: no. And these and promo also
0: companies the, promise the world. And also, like even the Facebook and Twitter and all that, they change their algorithms and all that sort of thing all the time. You know, so even if this one company that you've signed up with, who you know maybe you've given them twelve dollars and they said they're going to give you the world, yeah, um, they may not be able to make that happen for well, you. They most and you definitely pro- won't. Yeah, and you don't. There's no way that you can basically get your money back. It's I, kind of like
1: I liked
4: like, how you brought up the bots ruining your pretty much
1: your real fan digital
4: base. your digital fan base because I felt like we we deal with it sometimes. I see you, Johnny. You're blocking all these bots on our Twitter account. Yeah, like it's just you go through there. It's because like it's
1: not a number. It's kind of you know, it's, it's not about showing yeah. off. It's it's about using the social media as how they actually like as proper kind of tools.
0: That's right. Yeah, and there are
1: lots of bots that come out there. And basically, what you
0: need to say is basically if you've had a LinkedIn password, maybe you should change it because there's so many people out <laughs> that they've gone and, and hacked them and stuff like that. But that's mm. all they do. They buy them, and then these same companies that hack these accounts uh, buy these accounts from other people uh, or sell them off to these marketing companies, and they go, "Yes, we'll give you X number of likes or, or follows or whatever." But they're meaningless because they're not a real person. They're just an account that is a sock puppet account that you're not going to get any value out of and especially if you sign these contracts as well where you know you've you've said that you're going to give away 20% of your your company forever you know, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. There's definitely, like, there was obviously people could were complaining about um, publishers. It seems to be a sort of a turn of the, you know, 2000 sort of thing where people mm. were worried about publishers. But there are smaller publishers out there now that are, you know, doing the right thing and are happy to do, um, you know, give you the support that you need to kind of push across the line. Um, you know, there's some in Australia, there's some all around the world as well, um, you know, but just...
1: If, just be if, if be this, careful. Yeah, it's like basically online marketing and social media savviness is key. Um, don't jump into anything too quick. Don't pay for anything. Don't try to get the job quicker done like, than it's going to actually take. You know, don't try to get a quick fix.
0: I think the thing is, if you just think about how if someone else could take your the work that you've put in and start making money off it, and you don't get anything out of it, how would that sort of make you feel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what think are you about
1: getting out of what you know. Where is the equal deal here?
0: Yeah, it has to be. You know,
1: look after your assets
0: exactly right please, so, please and yeah just do, do your homework yeah do
4: your homework mm-hmm. But um, don't be no fool <laughs> stay in school <laughs> <laughs> just, just be just be a bit like, be aware of what's happening around you as well as what you're yeah, doing it's yourself it's very easy to get caught up
1: in it all as though like I understand I, like because the first time I, when I started to get them as like, as a musician I was like oh finally <laughs> 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 people getting standing up and noticing me but yeah and obviously not they just want a little are we bit, getting them Johnny they want I just, a little bit of me
0: uh, we've had it. Yeah, we've had a few uh, <laughs> of these things saying we'd like to improve your uh, your single. We love, we love what Search you do. engine optimization and stuff. Yeah. Like the that.
1: killer one is when they don't get quite get you right. Like they yeah. they like you know they'll call you by your email name like, yeah. or something or
4: you know Mister William. Hello Mister Sift. Mister Your <laughs> <We> Middle Name. <laughs> we yeah. love Pixel Shift. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mister Pixel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hello Mister Pixel. Please sign up to this twelve dollar month plan. We will
1: do lots for you. Yeah, exactly right. Well, look, guys, thank you very much
0: for for joining us. This has been uh, a blast. Uh, We've had a couple of weeks off, so you've been waiting for a few episodes. Um, We will be back again next week talking to other fantastic developers from around Australia. Uh, Thank you to Lee and Alyssa for joining us um, for this episode here. Uh, If you want to find out some more information, you can definitely head over to our website. We're going to be putting videos and links and everything up on there. And that website is www.pixelsift.com. SIFT.com.au and Scott, uh, we're
1: on social media. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're <laughs> yeah. on the facebook.com forward slash pixel The twitter.com. Yeah, twitter.com forward slash pixelsift. Twitch.tv.com.tv forward slash pixelsift and youtube.com forward slash pixelsift AU. And Mitch, for our older episodes, where
4: should people go? Yeah, you can go to our the website to stream episodes and uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast on the iTunes the Pocketcast or using the RSS link on our page. If you're in America Oh yeah, we have that thing on. Google. Only in America for some reason. We're big in the
2: US you now. You can
0: now subscribe to us on Google Play Music as well. Um, just not available outside of the Australia, outside of America. I, like a, I can't get my own show on Google Play. No, nope, you can't. But <laughs> you can. You can get on there. We're on a bunch of other things as well. So yeah. But thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see you guys again this time next week.
1: Big thanks to Brad Power for filling in last last. Thanks, episode. Brad. You're a champ. You were smarter
4: than all of us. <laughs> see you then. Bye. Thank you.